0: Okay, so the readings: 1 John 1, 5 to 10. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus' his Son purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word has no place in our lives. Amen. Let's, let's pray. God, thank you that you ride in as king of our lives, um, that your kingship brings joy, and it brings laughter. It brings fun. I thank you that you have something to say to us today. I pray that you would help our hearts to be open uh, and help me to say the words that are going to help us to encounter you. Would you meet with us as we are here together? Amen. So we've been walking through Lent and through Lent we've been looking at this series called Teach Me Too. So a, a few weeks ago we were looking at teach us to read the Bible, teach us to pray, Teach us to fast. A couple of weeks ago, Francis spoke to us about teach us to know God's will. And we're kind of landing the series today. With, so we're finishing today with teach me to forgive myself. Teach me to find freedom. Um, and we're going to be kind of exploring what that might mean for us uh, through the next half an hour or so. Uh, but first, I'd just love to tell you about my daughter, Sophia. So Sophia has had this scooter for the last about a year now. Uh, but just recently, she's realized that she can actually go quite quickly on it, and she's got much better at scooting around, and she loves to scoot everywhere. So this week, I said she could ride it to nursery, which she was very excited about. Unfortunately, she's learned to go quite fast on it, but she hasn't learned to keep going for a long time. Um, as Morris will know, I let her go on her scooter this afternoon, and it took me 45 minutes to get to the co-op, which is like a five-minute walk. She got got a bit waylaid by some leaves on the way. So anyway, on Tuesday, I said she could ride to a nursery, and the trip took way, way longer than it ever would have if I just put her in the buggy and taken her there. But when she got there, she was so proud that she had gone on her scooter. So she goes into her nursery school, uh, and she's telling all the helpers about how I rode in on my scooter. I wonder what your ride of choice is. If you had to make a grand entrance, What vehicle would you choose? Has anyone got any uh, hidden desires to ride a particular vehicle or to turn up in a particular uh, mode of transport? Did someone say something? A camel, okay, that's a nice one. Any, Any others? Hot air balloon? Yeah, someone said that this morning as well. Good, popular choice. Anyone else? A motorbike? Do you ride a motorbike, Alan? Not yet, okay, nice. Hang glider, nice. Um, The Hogwarts Express. It's good, yeah. Um, Well, on Palm Sunday, we remember Jesus riding into town. And his ride of choice is a donkey. And it's not even his own donkey. He's had to borrow the donkey from somewhere uh, that we're not sure where. And it's covered in other people's clothes. It's not flashy. It's not big. It's a bit of a joke, to be honest. It's as if... I had turned up today on Sophia's scooter. What's going on when Jesus comes into town on a donkey? Well, Jesus is riding into a town called Jerusalem. And Jerusalem at that time was a city that was oppressed. It was a city under occupation. And it was controlled by the Roman Empire. Now, the Romans, in contrast to Jesus, knew how to make an entrance. They got their flashiest, their best white horse, The general would ride in, triumphant on his white horse, with a procession behind him of important people and slaves and prisoners that had been caught in war. And this kind of big procession came to show Jerusalem that they were not free. If you lived in Jerusalem, you were not free. You were ruled by the Romans. They were more powerful than you. They were better than you. They were stronger than you. And there was nothing you could do about it. So maybe you lived in Jerusalem at the time, and maybe you had some ideas that actually maybe there was something you could do about it. Well, I think you had two choices. You've got the Roman occupiers. You could fight back. You could ride your own white horse. You could gather an army. You could believe together that if we work really hard and try really hard, we can get rid of the Romans once and for all. We can defeat them. We can overcome them. You could be a fighter. And people did rise up at that time against the might of the Roman Empire. Most of them failed pretty horribly. But they thought that actually if they worked hard enough, if they were strong enough, if they had enough people with them, that they could defeat the Romans. But maybe there was another course of action that some people in Jerusalem at the time took. And that was to go, well, the Romans are tough, they're strong, and they're in charge. And that's just the way that things are. Nothing's ever going to change. We're an oppressed people and we're going to stay oppressed forever. Life is just going to continue like this always. So you could be the captive. So fighter, captive. Try and fight back or give up and just put up with life as it is. It seems that those are the only two options. Sometimes in our lives it can seem like we've either got to be tougher or bigger or stronger to fight back, or we just need to give up and go, well, that's just how life is, and resign ourselves to our fate. Except, no one thought about riding into town on a donkey. In some ways, Jesus doesn't fight back, but Jesus doesn't give up either. He uses his donkey to laugh at the might of Rome. He subverts their power, and he offers another way. He picks a donkey, which is a sign of peace, but God's peace comes and causes those who are powerful to tremble because he's showing a third way, a different way. He's inviting us to join his parade, to join the freedom parade. And on Palm Sunday, we remember that Jesus is king. But if we're honest, some of us are seeking a king who will just fight for us, who will make us right and everyone else wrong, who will crush our enemies once and for all and prove that we are in the right. If that's the king that we're looking for, then Jesus is not the king we're seeking. And others of us are maybe looking for a king who will stand over there and give us a little bit of advice but basically let us get on with our lives as we are living them. will basically let us to continue to make the decisions that we think we need to make for our lives, will not interfere too much, or in too many ways. If that's the kind of king that we're looking for, then Palm Sunday tells us that Jesus is not the king that we're seeking. But if we are looking for a king who comes riding in peace, but a peace that opposes violence and anger and hatred in all its forms, a king that stands against prejudice and starts by pointing the finger at our own heart, starts by challenging the motives and desires within us, if we're looking for a king who comes with a challenge but comes with grace and with love and with open arms to all, then maybe Palm Sunday tells us that Jesus is the king that we're looking for. Maybe Jesus is today inviting us to join his freedom parade. But freedom's a funny word. Because it can mean lots of different things. One of those words that can mean a different thing to every different person. I wonder what freedom means for us. We talk a lot about how God wants to set us free. But what does freedom look like for you? In this country, we talk a lot about freedom. We talk about how we're a free country. And we prize freedom often above nearly all other things. We talk about freedom of choice. We talk about freedom of expression. We talk about freedom of speech. Now, we wouldn't want to take any of those freedoms for granted, but are we really free? When we freely choose to consume more and more stuff that addicts us and holds us and breaks us, when we choose to freely express ourselves in anger, as we can become more and more constrained by the hate and the prejudice within. As we freely speak negative words over our lives, allowing lies about who we are to hold our hearts, allowing the failures of our past to dominate the conversations within, overwhelmed by our inability to be who we want to be. Maybe there's something in the past that we just can't forgive ourselves for. That we just wish we could go back and undo. That seems to haunt us and stay with us wherever we go. That our lives today seem to be marked and defined by the actions of our past. Or it might be something of who we feel we are and wish we weren't. That we look at others and think, if only I was more like them then I could achieve great things, then I could do good, then I could be the person that God wants me to be. That we can't quite forgive ourselves for being the person that we are. In any social event that I go to, I always seem to end up with the feeling that somehow I'm on the edge, that somehow I'm insignificant, that somehow if I wasn't there, no one would notice. And how often have I looked at myself and gone, oh, if only I was the life and soul of the party. If only I was the kind of person that just seemed to attract friends around them, that just seemed to gather people around them. If only I was more like that. And in that time, what I'm doing is I'm refusing to accept the person that God has created me to be. I'm refusing to forgive myself for being who I am. And actually part of my healing has been to come to realize that the person that God has made me to be is good. And I don't need to constantly spend my life trying to be more extroverted or trying to be more like that person or trying to be more like this person. I can recognize that who God has made me to be is good. And I can reconcile myself to whom I created to be. But often we fail to forgive ourselves for who we are and we spend our time and our energy trying to change. So how can we forgive ourselves? Or how can we find freedom? God has come that we might be free. Jesus said, I've come that you might be free. but whom the sun sets free is free indeed. But how much of our time and our energy do we spend wrestling within? Consumed with what we were. What we failed to do, what we wish we'd done differently, or the person that we wish we could be. So what can we do when we feel this way? Well, some of us will cope with this by saying we can do better. We'd better fight back. Every negative thought, I need to speak a positive thought. I need to try harder. I I need to find forgiveness. I need to force myself to forget about the past. I need to force myself to forgive myself. I need to resist this negativity. I can beat the past. I can move forward. We're the fighters. But honestly, if we've got that attitude, and often, I'm sure all of us at some point in our lives have thought, oh, if I just work a bit harder, I'll be free. If I just try a bit more, God will finally be pleased with me. If I've just changed myself a little bit, then maybe I'll find the friends or the relationships or the success that I need. But this really is to deny the reality of our captivity. The reality of life that so often captures us when we're at our best and reminds us of our worst. In the reading that we heard earlier, it said this. It said, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. Sometimes we can spend our life claiming that we can sort things out. That we can do better. That we can try harder. That we can work more. And it's all going to be okay. I think I do this Uh, through kind of my tendency to be perfectionist, that I think, well, if I just put all the effort that I possibly can into my work, if I just work until this thing is perfect, then it will turn out all right. If I just work a little bit harder at being the kind of husband, the kind of father, the kind of friend, the kind of minister that I think I need to be, then I'll have it sorted. I'll have it sewn up. I'll be able to do it. If I just find a little bit more time in the day, if I just work a little harder, if only my capacity was just a little bit bigger, then maybe it would all be all right. I'm deceiving myself. I'm claiming that I can sort this out for myself. And at its worst, what it's doing to me is it's telling me that I have to earn God's love, that I have to work harder to make him notice me, that I have to work harder to make him love me. And God says, no, you've got it wrong. I've claimed you and I've chosen you as you are. You are my beloved daughter. You are my beloved son. I look on you and I am pleased. I look on you and I love. I look on you and say, you are enough as you are. And almost by claiming to be without sin, I'm completely missing what God says to me as I am. That I am enough. Yes, I'm not perfect. Yes, I'm not complete. Yes, I'm not there yet. But on on the other hand, I am. Because the word that he speaks over over me is beloved one. The one on whom I set my favor, the one in whom God delights. Maybe others of us get around this kind of sense of failure, this sense of insecurity, this sense of frustration with ourselves, by just kind of shrugging our shoulders and saying, well, this is what I deserve. This is just the way life is. Life is tough. I messed up in the past. And so this is the way things will always be. Failure is who I am. Addicted is who I am. Debt ridden is who I am, guilty and shame-filled. That is who I am. That is what life is going to be like for me. We're the captives. But the reading said that God, it didn't say go, it said God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. And God has spoken a word over your life. God has said to each one of you that I delight in you that I think you are good, that I have a good future and a good plan for you. And when we say, well, this is just what life is, the danger is what it eats into our hearts is a doubt in God's goodness, a doubt that God is truly full of light, a doubt that really God has the best in store for us. We doubt his word over our lives. We see him as a mixture of light and darkness. We say, well, yes, God loves me, but actually he's left me in this state of failure, in this state of insecurity, in this state of hopelessness. But no, God says, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Whatever you're struggling with at the moment, whether it's a, a kind of a repeated pattern of failure in your life, whether it's something that you just wish you could be free of, whether it's a relationship that just seems to be going wrong, or whether that's, it's that nagging doubt within that you are up to anything, that you amount to anything. God says, come to him, and he will be faithful and just. He will forgive us. He will purify us. The minute we turn, He runs to us with love and with joy and with hope. And he says, the very best that you thought you were, I see you as far better than that. The very idea that you had that maybe one day you would attain something, well, I see you as far more than that. I see you as my beloved daughter, my beloved son, the one that I've given everything for, the one that I speak over. Only words of love, only words of affirmation, only words of grace, and only words of goodness. It's like we're in a prison cell, chained up by our own doubts and our own failure and our own nagging insecurity. And maybe some of us are wrestling hard to get rid of the chains. Maybe some of us have given up and just said, this is what life is like. I can't get out. I won't ever get out. And actually, neither of those people are moving towards freedom. Because we don't need to wrestle the chains, and we don't need to befriend the chains. What we need is to meet the person with the key. Because the person with the key can come and can unlock our chains. Friends, we know the person with the key. Because Jesus rides into town, and his transport is a donkey but he's heading for his throne and his throne is the cross because on the cross it seems like violence and hatred and anger have won the day it seems that God is defeated it seems that we cannot be free so if we're feeling weighed down by failure if we're feeling weighed down by fear if we're feeling lost in our, and overwhelmed by our brokenness if we're struggling to feel forgiven, if we're struggling to feel free, then the cross says that God stands with you. God is close to those who are desperate and those who are lost and those who are forlorn. And the one who was killed on the cross, the one who was enthroned on Calvary, didn't stay dead. God died, but God is alive. There is hope. Hope not in your ability to do better. Hope not in your ability to try harder. Hope not in your ability to sort everything out and put everything in order. Hope not just in the kind of summoning all your strength to think positively over your life. But hope in this, that when we are dead, God has come and he's spoken life over us. That when you and I were at our worst, God saw us and he loved us. And he said, I have a hope for you. I have a future for you. I have a plan for you. There is nothing you can do to make God increase his love towards you. And there is nothing you can do to make God decrease his love towards you. He loves you with a love that quite possibly we will never fully understand or comprehend. He is for us. And he speaks life over us. Hope comes when we join the freedom parade. And the irony is that we find freedom by submitting to Christ as king. When we stop listening to the words of doubts and negativity that we sow in our lives. And we start to believe the words that the king speaks. Then we find freedom. The first step to forgiving ourselves is to recognize that we are powerless to forgive ourselves. The second step is to recognize that God in Christ forgives us. There's a simple question for us this evening. Whose voice will we listen to? Will we listen to the voice of our Father who looks at us with love and speaks hope and speaks grace into the very darkest corners of our lives. Those corners that maybe no one else has ever even seen. God speaks a word of hope to you. I'd love us just to think about uh, what this might mean for us. I'm just going to get maybe Franzi and Steve. Would you just hand some paper and I'd love it if you just had a, b- a piece of paper. We're just going to use in just a moment. Steve, do you want to sit? If anyone needs a pen, Steve's got some pens. We're just going to, in a moment, we're just going to spend a minute of quiet. We're just going to invite the Holy Spirit to come. And it might be that there's something already sort of bubbling away that you're thinking about. It might be that there's something in your heart that God wants to put his finger on. Some way that God wants to just highlight where you haven't fully experienced his his freedom tonight. I've just got kind of three little sentences. You might like to use one of these as just a way of thinking about where are you struggling to forgive yourself? Where are you struggling to find freedom? So you might, something might come to mind that says, oh, I wish I had never done that thing, whether it's recently or a long time ago, and it still haunts you and it still plagues you. It might be that you think, oh, if only I'd done that, then things would be different now. And kind of both of those things are about us not forgiving ourselves for the past. Or it might be that we're thinking, "Now, I just wish I was more like that. I just wish I was different. Or it might be, this is not, you don't have to use one of these, it might be your own way of expressing this. But let's just pause for a minute. And all of us probably believe lies about ourselves. All of us have bought in the lie that we're not good enough. We have to work harder to get God to love us or that we have to give up and just accept life that's not truly free. And I just encourage you to write it down if something comes to mind. Because actually there's power in putting it down or draw it or write a word that means it. Let's just pause for a moment. Done that, I'll just invite you uh, just to hold that piece of paper. It might be that nothing's come to mind, and you've got a blank piece of paper, that's okay. It might just be that you have a general sense about actually, I I want to walk in more freedom, want to hear more of God's word over me. It might be that in the next few minutes something comes to mind, feel free to write it down. But when we are faced with things like this, when we realise actually there's something inside that's speaking a lie over us, we have a choice, we can listen continue to listen to the lie or we can come to the king and we can realize that he speaks a different word over us. He speaks truth that you are loved as you are, that you are enough that you are a child, a daughter, a son of the living God, that he has come that he has been broken for your healing So we don't fight these words. We don't try and push these words away. We don't try and push them down or get rid of them ourselves. We bring them to the cross. We say God has spoken a different word. And today I choose to believe his words over my life. So I'm going to lead us in a prayer. Um, and that's just a, a way of coming to God and saying, actually, God, we can't do this ourselves, but we choose to trust in you. The words are going to be on the screen. I'm going to say them. If you want to join me in saying them, that's fine. If you want to just echo them in your hearts, um, if you just want to listen, that's fine. But we're going to pray this prayer. God, I am powerless to accept myself for who I am. But God has created me and declared over me that I am very good. I admit that I am powerless to forgive myself. But on the cross, God in Christ has declared, I am forgiven and my past is wiped clean. And I am powerless to change myself. But in Jesus' resurrection, God, by his Spirit, makes me new and declares that I have a future filled with hope. I choose today to believe the words that God speaks over my life. I choose to speak them to. As we come to him today, as we come to the cross, we hear a different story. We hear truth spoken over us, that we are made in his image, that we are washed clean, that we are resurrected to new life. And in a moment, I'm going to invite you to come to the cross, come around the worship band up to the cross and and leave your lie. There's a rubbish bin there. We're going to leave our lie in the bin. But we also recognize that actually today we might say, yes, God, I believe the words that you speak. But tomorrow the world's going to crowd in and our doubts are going to rise again. So when we go from the cross, we're going to take two things that are just going to help us to remember the words that God speaks. We're going to take a palm cross, which reminds us of Palm Sunday. It reminds us that Jesus rode into town as king, but he was heading for the cross. And The cross speaks more than anything of the Father's love for us. And then I'm just encouraging, there's, there's some copies of that prayer and pick up one of those prayers because this is the kind of prayer that we need to pray daily. And it might be that you have your own words, these words aren't special, but actually I just challenge you this week, take a moment every day of this week to speak these words over yourself, whether it's to some specific area of your life that you know you want freedom in or whether it's just actually God, I want to walk in your freedom. And invite you to take this and to to discipline yourselves to say, actually, I want to choose to submit to the king who sets me free. I want to speak his words. I want to believe what he says about me, that I am loved, that I am precious, that I am clean and that I am filled with hope and a future. So I think Ellen's going to come and just play for us a little bit. So we're just going to leave some space. So just go up. You you can leave your lie in the bin, and then in the silver bowls, there's the cross and the prayer to take. And maybe you might just then want to spend a couple of minutes, maybe reading through that prayer again, or just uh, asking God to speak His words.